Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a View from the Bullens podcast. Listen to all the news, views and inside track from Goodison Park. This is a View from the Bullens podcast, sponsored by The Beer Keller, Liverpool One. Pull back for Dakar. Madison. Tiedemans! It's absolutely superb! Trademark Tiedemans! Tiedemans gets it away to Harvey Barnes. Here's Madison. James Madison pulls it back for Barnes. Barnes finishes it off! In style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm 
Hello and welcome back to another episode from A View from the Bullins. And I'm joined today by Lee McLean. Lee, Everton nil, Leicester City 2. A dull affair, a dull performance in a gloomy, gloomy way to finish our season before the World Cup at Goodison Park. Everton were well beaten, weren't they, by Leicester City? Well beaten, mate. Yeah, you've just summed it up. That was a slap in the face yesterday, a real reality check for me. Um, as to where Everton currently find themselves. Like you say, just everything about the evening, unfortunately, was just really dismal. The weather, um, plenty of fireworks off the pitch, but none on the pitch for Everton, unfortunately. Uh, and ultimately, beaten by the better side on the night. I don't think we can have any complaints about the result. We've gone into that game quite confident, thinking um, Leicester were perhaps on a, on a par with the, the standard of Crystal Palace, and we saw what we did to them a couple of weeks back. Um, you know, on the back of a decent, if not spectacular, point against Fulham, thinking let's build some momentum. Can we get seven points out of those games? But Leicester at times, and, and especially James Madison, who, who although I don't, you know, is not my favourite human being in the world. Um, you know, sometimes he can come across a little bit overconfident, but he backed it up, and he was absolutely top draw yesterday. He looked like he had the the, the freedom of Goodison Park to operate in. Um, you know, we didn't get any challenges in on him, finding plenty of space. And the likes of him and Harvey Barnes, the quality that they had in those areas just killed us at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, two great goals. Obviously, the quality of their goals were absolutely outstanding. You could point to a couple of really good chances that Everton had. Obviously, Alex Iwobi in the first five minutes, with the form he's in, you'd back him to stick that one away. That's a lovely little ball from Calvert-Lewin as well, similar to the Newcastle link-up from last season. Um, and you can't believe he's put that one wide under no, no real pressure. Um, and maybe it's a different game after that. You don't know. Obviously, football changes on key moments like that. But you, you sort of you're hard pressed as an Evertonian to turn around after that display and say that we deserved anything off the game because Leicester were worthy winners. Um, had chances of their own. We, me and you, were speaking before we come on air, and um, you know, 22 shots against us to concede 22 shots again. You're dicing with death. That's a that's a dangerous game to be playing, and with the quality of the Premier League and a side like Leicester, who perhaps have lulled us into a false sense of security with the poor start of the season for them, um, they're, they're a decent side. They've got better players in in wide areas and forward areas than we have, and that was the difference on the night. So Calvert Lewin again has a chance to make it one-one with it with a really great opportunity that he, he simply has to put away because even when you have an off days and and you're not, the, you're not the, the better side on the night. You've got to take your chances. You've got to be clinical. Sometimes you can come away with something that you don't necessarily deserve. But again, for the second week running, he, he doesn't put that away and then he goes off injured. So really, really disappointing. So a night of very, very few, um, very few positives really to take from the game. And it's a, it's a horrible way to leave things before we go into the World Cup break. And these two games against Bournemouth now, especially the league game, take on added, added importance um, so yeah just not a great night all around um, what, what, were your, what was your take on it? Yeah I think you summed it up really really well there Lee I thought we were second best um, throughout the first half especially I thought we were lucky to go in at 1-0 down it was obviously an absolute wonder strike by Yuri Tielemans but James Madison like you said I think he had the freedom of the park and I think he, he almost roamed free didn't he and he just picked those little pockets and kept it moving for, for Leicester City and they were they were worthy winners. There's no doubt about that. I think, unfortunately for me, I think 
we've spoke about it at length and regarding the goals in this team and the creating of chances. And it's, it's really becoming a big, big issue now for this current Everton side. You, you, it's no cliche. You, you're not going to win games if you don't score goals. 11 goals in 14 games is simply not enough. When and, you say that, that's frightening, isn't it? 11 yeah, goals it's, in 14 games. 11 in 14 is simply not good enough. You know, you're not even scoring a goal a game. You don't need to do the maths. And that is a relegation record, not scoring goals like that. It, it's... It's a killer and it, it puts so much pressure on your goalkeeper and your defence to keep clean sheets. And ultimately, it's the Premier League. Most teams have dangerous attackers that will score goals past you. So the issue for this Everton team at the moment is when they do go 1-0 down, you just don't really see Everton going on to win the game. And of course, they did it at Southampton and they're capable. But generally, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a slog for this Everton team then to fight back and try and get some points when they do concede first. This Everton team is almost better if they do score first, then they can sit back and play on the counter a little bit. But but like you've said, the Leicester wingers, they, they did show up our wingers yesterday. They shown what having good wingers can do for a team. Thought Harvey Barnes was very, very good. Dewsbury Hall was very good. Like I previously said, James Madison was excellent. I thought he was the, probably the best player on the pitch. And that's what happens when you have attacking threat you you just look like you can score and on another day Leicester probably would have scored four I think Madison missed two really good chances in the first half and I also think if I was a Leicester fan in the second half I'd have thought you know what we probably should have gone for the jugular I think there was more goals there for them and they were creating at will breaking at will and breaking with pace and we just we just couldn't deal with it we really really couldn't I, I would like to hear your thoughts on Lee on Amadou Onana so Frank Lampard He's mixed it up a bit, hasn't he? He went for that 4-2-3-1 against Crystal Palace and it served us so well in a 3-0 victory. And yesterday, he, he changed it, didn't he? And rather, Iwobi being the, the focal point of that midfield behind Dominic Calvert. And he went with Amadou Onana. And it's, he's come under quite a lot of criticism on social media and on radio channels, Frank Lampard, for, for changing the system and going with Onana in that forward position. What were your thoughts on that? Didn't think it did him any favours, that's for sure. I think you're right to point it out. It was a, a confusing one because you just automatically expect after it going so well, like you say, against Palace, for him to stick with that. Um, and Alex Iwobi looked very, very comfortable where he was. And at the same time, so did Adrisagana Gay and Ananana. I thought they looked good in that deeper position, playing sort of a pivot role. Um, and Anana, if it's weird because I don't want to come on here and, and bash the lad, and I'm not going to because he's he's got so much talent. He's 21, he's new to this league, um, he's coming into a side that don't do do a lot in terms of creating chances. So maybe his game is highlighted a little bit more, and we're asking him to do things that he's not necessarily comfortable doing. Um, he's got all the talent in the world, but he's raw. And I said this before the game. I, I, I don't know whether the time was right to just take him out um, and give the likes of James Garner a start because I look back to Mar he's got so many comparisons with Marwan Fellaini when he first came to Everton and he was raw as well and we managed his games um, and we've got options there as I say I think one slight positive from yesterday was James Garner I thought when he came on he looked like the best of a bad bunch really and I think he's overdue an opportunity from the start um, but yeah, a really, really strange one. He was drifting in and out the game for me, Anana, um, not making himself involved enough, um, making things happen himself. He gets the ball and and he and he tries to do things, but I'd just like to see him, you know, put 
putting himself about a little bit more and and making things happen, making himself a nuisance. Um, because he's got energy, he's got youth on his side, he's got legs. Um, so yeah, just didn't really do enough for me yesterday. And I'm really going forward. I don't think he can have any any complaints at all should he be pulled out for the next game and, and Garner given a chance. I think that will happen. Uh, I think Adrissa Garner Gay, to be fair, I think he struggled as well. And in general, after a bright start, I don't think he's looked the, the same player as the one that left and the one that did so well at PSG. I think he's struggled a bit of late. Um, hopefully he can regain some of that form, but yeah, getting caught in possession too much, too many times for me. Uh, and when you're not scoring the, the goals, like you say, you've almost got to be perfect in games and Everton, Everton certainly aren't. Uh, we're not perfect. Talking about um, reaction on social media, I'll throw this one over to you, mate. There's a, there's a, I wouldn't say it's not a widespread opinion, but there's a scattering of noise now around Frank Lampard and I think you look at the record, three wins in, in 14, 11 goals in 14. Do you think that's fair criticism um, or do you think it's a case of he's doing the best with what he's got and we've got to wait until January? It's it's a difficult one, isn't it? And those sort of murmurs are starting to surface now. You know, people are questioning Frank Lampard, you know, three wins in 14, one win in six, 11 goals in 14 games. Can he do better? I think so. Yeah, I think he can. And I think the players have to do better as well. I think as a collective whole, I think they all have to do better and they can do better. And this is not me slagging off Frank Lampard or the coaching staff because I think they've changed the whole philosophy internally. <clears throat> the dressing room's a lot better. The team spirit's a lot better. And the feeling in and around Finch Farm on a daily basis is, is chalk and cheese from last season. But team spirit and good attitude and applying yourself the right way and, and having a good atmosphere in and around Finch Farm will only get you so far. And when it comes to a match day, Frank Lampard and the coaching staff I think they do need to be slightly better. Yeah, I think Leicester outthought us. I thought tactically, Brendan Rodgers played Everton to an absolute T. And I don't really think we had an answer to it. And three wins in 14. Yes, you can criticise the players and rightly so, because make no mistake, this team has come a long way in a short space of time from where they were last year. However, three wins in 14, when you look at other Premier League clubs who... We're in disarray, turmoil this season, Leicester being one of them. They now have four wins. And like we've previously said, they were in an absolute mess. Aston Villa have sacked Steven Gerrard. They have three wins. Southampton, currently in the relegation zone, they have three wins. Even Wolves, who have sat their manager and are going to be in one of the worst teams of the season so far, they have two wins, one win less than us. So I think they can do better as a collective wholly. Yeah, and I do think it's got to be constructive criticism um, because like I previously said, they have come a long way in a short space of time. But nevertheless, this current crop of players, it's far from perfect. We know that. We know what we are as a team. We know what we are capable of and we know our limitations. But the players and the coaching staff, and, and I include Frank Lampard in that, three wins in 14, they would have wanted a better return at the start of the season than where we currently are. There's no doubt about that. They would have. And I think it's right that any Everton fan can look at that and go, it's not a great start to the season, three wins in 14. Regardless of last year, taking all that out of the equation, it's not a great start. You look at the opposition that Everton have played, there were some winnable games that Everton have failed to win. Um, when you look at the, the results that we've had, you look at 
Brentford. <clears throat> okay, it's a decent point on the road, but could we have held out? Maybe. Nottingham Forest at home. The Aston Villa result away is a, is a, is a really poor result. Uh, and as is the Nottingham Forest home game, that's a really poor result. So when you look at those sort of games, Leeds away, who have, who have been really up and down this season, um, losing at Newcastle. Okay, Newcastle in a good bit of form. The Man United defeat. Hmm. The Fulham draw. <clears throat> There's some games there where you just think if maybe we'd have had a bit more tactical nous about us, a bit more quality going forward, we probably maybe would have turned a loss into a point or a point into three points. But my, my personal opinion, Lee, and I'd like to hear yours, is I think it's a collective whole. I don't mm. think you can just continually blame the players and I don't think you can just blame Frank Lampard. I think as a group, three wins in 14, we know it's not great and we probably know it's not really good enough. And nevertheless, like I say, given our limitations, I think three wins in 14, we could have expected or should have at least another win in the bank than what we currently have. That's my opinion anyway. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, when you say it's 14 games, it's it's no longer the start of the season. Now we're way past that. Um, you know, you, it, 19 games is your halfway point. We're well over a third of the way in, and so only have three point three wins. Sorry, that's concerning for me. So it it begs the question: When do you start to worry? Um, we've all been through that last season, and I think we're all sick of speaking about it, and we all don't want to remember it. Um, and there are so many improvements that you can point towards in two-thirds of the areas of the pitch but like you say it, it's the it's that forward line it's the options that we've got in that final third and the quality overall that we've got in the final third and the fitness issues that we have in the final third we're going to come unstuck because no matter how good your centre-half pairings are how good your full-backs are how good your, your, your England's number one goalkeeper is your, your, your central midfield you know, just the strengthening in there, no matter how good those are and how much those have improved. Football is a game and it's all about goals and, and, and we're not doing that enough. So for me, it's always about limping towards January. That's become apparent really, really early on. Obviously, the first four or five games, we didn't have any striker to call upon, which was negligent um, and really, really disappointing. It was always going to mean that we were up against it even more so than we have been in the last few games with Calvert-Lewin back and more pay obviously brought in. Um, so to start the season in that way and that underprepared and understaffed in those areas of the pitch, I thought was baffling. Um, but we, we, there was so, so much of a feel-good factor around other things that we were doing that it sort of went under the radar a little bit. But that, that can't be said now, I think. We're 14 games in. The gaps and the limitations are there for every Evertonian and every non-Evertonian in football to see. Opposition manager will be pinpointing that and saying, listen, if we can frustrate these, we, we, we'll, we'll trust in our quality and we fancy ourselves to get a goal or two and then Everton are struggling because they're not going to score two or three the vast majority of weeks. It's a one-off when they do. So, let's, that, I, I personally, I'm only speak for myself, I couldn't give a... I'm monkeys about this World Cup. I won't be watching much of it at all. It doesn't interest me. Um, my focus now after Bournemouth is just what are Everton going to do um, to address these issues because we've got just over half of the season after we get back and we're going to need to improve because the Premier League waits for nobody. It's, a, it's, it's such a tough division and the last thing we want to do is be three, four, five games in after the break when we've come back 
and suddenly we haven't notched another win or maybe we only notched one more win out of five or whatever. And we, and we find ourselves in that same position because like we saw last year, even after Frank Lampard came in, once you're down there, it's very, very difficult to get out of. The, 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 there's worry, there's nervousness. Mm. That, that feeds into performances. And that, that just worries me slightly because we're now 14 games in and points return is, is disappointing. And we find ourselves down there again and we don't want to get cut, cut adrift. So it's a, it's a crucial phase for Everton. Um, but I mean, for me, yes, I, I don't know what the difference was. Was it just the opposition? Because if you look at Crystal Palace, I'll throw this one over to you. Was it just the case where we came up against the Palace side who on the day were really, really poor and had an off day and Everton were quite good and we stumbled across something? Was it the Alex Iwobi change in position? Can, is it as simple as that, the answer? Or was just Leicester too good for us on the night? I think Leicester were pretty good, yeah. But I think Frank Lampard has to take some of the blame. And like I said, we've not come on here today to, to really criticise the, the, the manager. Um it's constructive talk and it's constructive criticism. But the 4-2-3-1 system that we played against Crystal Palace, there was no need to change that at Fulham or at or at home to Leicester City. And he did. And I don't really understand why. I know sometimes you have to make provisions for opposition. You have to respect your opposition and realise that they have dangerous players. So you need to make changes to, to nullify that. But we're at home. We're against Leicester, who have started the season really, really poorly. Albeit they have improved of late. But nevertheless, I just don't understand why he opted to change it, why he opted to play Onana further forward rather than the preferred Alex Iwobi further forward, who is much better in that further role where he can dictate, get on the ball a bit more and link up with Dominic Carver-Lewin. Whatever you, we all think of Amadou Onana, he's very, very young, he's raw, he's going to improve no end. He's not an attacking midfielder. That's not his game. So I don't really know why we played him there yesterday uh, against Leicester. It, it doesn't make sense to me when we have Alex Awobi, who's playing in you know, his best form for Everton in that role. Um, it's interesting what you're saying, you know, without going into or looking too far ahead. If we currently carry on at this sort of form, we're, we're probably going to win around eight to nine games this season. So when you think of it like that, that is a relegation record, eight, nine wins in a year. You're going to be down there and you're going to be scrapping. So I think it's right, like I've said, that the fans can maybe start to look at the, the players and the manager and think, right, got to start earning your corn, guys, because we've had some winnable games that we failed to win or failed to draw. And like you've previously said, Lee, we're no longer at the start of the season. We are well into the season now. And one win in six, three wins in 14, 11 goals in 14, regardless of this limitations that this current crop of players have, you'd still expect a couple more goals and maybe another win or two on the, on the board right now than what we currently have. But going back to the Leicester game, Lee, I thought Leicester were, were worthy winners. I thought they looked very, very good. I thought they played us to an absolute tier. They, they attack with pace, power, they're direct. And they're almost everything that Everton don't have going forward, aren't they? And during the game, there were so many you know people around me talking and they were saying, look at Leicester's wingers, look how fast, direct they are. Look how interchangeable they are. And their wingers are, are everything that, that we're lacking right now, aren't they, when we compare them to our wingers? Yeah, they are. They, they really did put us to shame. Um, I mean, Damari Gray, I think it's, it's hard to... Buy. I think I've see, I seen a, a comment saying he's one of the worst buyers in Everton's history. I mean, that's nonsense. It, for, he, he, was, he, he cost one and a half million pounds. And that says a lot. He had to go over to Germany to, to try and 
reinvent his career. But if you look at him now, and yesterday's there's your, your litmus paper. Look at yesterday; he's facing his old side, the side that let him go, and you can see why. Because if you compare, if you put a mirror up to Damari Gray and the likes of Harvey Barnes and and James Madison, the difference is um, significant, shall we say? There, there will be spells. You you look at the first. Six games of Damari Gray's Everton career, he looked unstoppable. He looked really, really good. He was flying high on confidence. That game we always talk about away at Brighton, he was just unbelievable that day. And we're thinking, okay, is he? Is this just sort of a second chance in his career that he's going to grasp and, and catapult himself? It's not quite happened. He's very in and out. Um, he's, he's frustrating. There's a, a, a consistent lack of end product, unfortunately. Um quick as anything really really pacey and pace does hurt defenders but it's just it's too frustrating there's not enough at the end of it at the end of the day and yeah if you look at Dwight McNeil he's been pushing for a start he's done well in cameos um, this season but I, I was speaking to the guy next to me on, at the game yesterday and we've pointed out on a couple of occasions he's just so one-footed he's so one, one-sided and as a defender as a defensive coach on the training pitch opposition teams will be saying that this is how you coach against that. I mean, I remember being told that as a kid, you know, if you come up against someone who's predominantly all left foot, you know, you just, you know, you show them on the inside or the outside. It's it's not difficult as a full back to defend against that. So I think that limits him a lot. He's a lovely footballer. He can look very elegant, um, but he lacks pace and he is very, very one footed and he didn't really, he wasn't terrible. I think he was quite unfortunate to be taken off for, I think, Damari Gray should have been pulled yesterday. Um, but again, just not enough in terms of an output. Um, and as for Anthony Gordon, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've, I, 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 maybe this is wrong because we do a podcast. Sometimes you just you're just wary about what you're saying because you sort of you don't want to incite any sort of backlash or anything like that. But you know, I'd like to think that in the in the couple of years we've been doing this, we we come on and we, we we're real and we say it as it is and. We're not in the business. We want Everton players to succeed, not not to fail. Don't I don't take any any sort of pleasure in players struggling or anything like that. But he's been poor. He's been very poor this season, and I don't know whether the transfer speculation has got to his head and he started to believe his own hype a little bit. Is there an ego problem there? I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at body language. I'm listening to a lot of people around me saying the same thing a hell of a lot. But for one reason or another. He's just not the same player. And um, he, again, very, very little output at the end of the day. So it was envious. I felt envious looking at on what Leicester had in the final third of the pitch yesterday. And you can't help but compare because there's been so much noise around the lack of options and productivity and goals and assists in Everton's front three that when you see a performance of that quality from, from Leicester, in the in those positions yesterday, it's an easy thing and it's a natural thing to do to start comparing. So th- these guys have got work to do. Um, you know, we're not going to solve it all in one transfer window, I would imagine. Um, although I hope we do take some decisive action. So it's a it's, a, it's an area of the pitch that Everton have got to do better in. Whether that's coaching, whether that's individual players improving, mm. or whether that's transfer activity, I don't know. Um, but I'm not going to go over the top of the criticism, but I think it's very, very fair to say that all three of them, and obviously we're not, I know we're not talking about Dominic Calvert-Lewin, maybe just wingers in isolation here, all three of them 
a, a point of the season for them in, in the main haven't been good enough and the, it's, a, it's a massive reason as to why we are where we are No I agree with you I, I really really agree with you one player that did play really well again he was excellent down at Craven Cottage against Fulham I think it's right to to point him out Vitaly Mikalenko he, he's sort of growing into that left back role isn't he he's coming to a lot of criticism about he doesn't offer much going forward and whilst he might not offer much going forward a lot of people yesterday on social media, on the radios as well, were high of praise. They thought, yet again, defensively, he was excellent. What were your thoughts on Vitaly Mikalenko? He was. He was. He was. He was really good. And um, at the beer keller before the game, I think uh, someone put a question to, to Borley or Joe Parkinson, I can't remember, around where does Ben Godfrey fit in when he comes back and does he fit in anywhere? Because obviously the... the Centre-back pairing have been so strong this season, it's hard to see him getting a gig in there. So the natural assumption is he comes in at left-back. But I think that's doing Mikalenko a disservice. Um, he, he's really performed well in the last two games, there's no question about that. Defensively, he looks really, really solid. You don't get much change out of him. Um, and although he has got limitations going forward and he's not, he's not, he's not a Leighton Baines, um, you know, he's not a, a Trent Alexander-Arnold or someone who's going to score six six goals a season and create all sorts. He's not going to do that. Are we being harsh on, on him there? Because really a defender's job, especially in a four, is to defend. And we need to find answers further up the pitch. It's it's harsh to put sort of too much criticism on Mikalenko for, for not doing that side of the game because that's not what he's good at. He's been brought in, he's a left-back. I know it's important in the modern day, but defensively he's doing his job and he's doing it very well so fair play to him for sort of turning things around on the other side mate I was going to ask you on, on that I think how much of a bonus is it to see Nathan Patson coming back into the fold obviously he, he before he got injured he was gaining all sorts of plaudits and his performances were absolutely exceptional I think Coleman has been a mixed bag since since coming in and doing a, a job replacing him while he's been out but Seeing him come onto the pitch yesterday, his energy and his movement and his pace, although we ended up on the losing side, maybe the damage was done. It's great to see him back, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's just a bit unfortunate that the coaching staff just didn't feel that he was just quite ready to start against Leicester City. Obviously, he'd been training for around 10 days now, but they didn't want to rush him. It was obviously quite a, a serious injury that we got very, very lucky with that it wasn't as bad as first fit, but nevertheless, it was quite a nasty injury and on the same foot that he injured last season when he first arrived at Goodison Park. So they just didn't feel that he was just quite ready to, to start a Premier League game. And they persisted with Seamus Coleman for that extra game, which which is fair enough. You have to trust the medical team. You have to trust the club staff. You have to trust the coaches. They work with these players on a daily basis. And Nathan Patterson obviously has to listen to his body as well. And if they come to that conclusion that maybe it was just a game too soon, then, then so be it. But it's brilliant news to see him back again on coming off the bench and there's no doubt about it. He's, he's going to be a really, really good right back for us. He, he offers us everything really, really, really good defensively, good going forward, very, very eager, competitive, strong, quick, exactly what you want in a, in a fullback in the, in the Premier League. So yeah, really, really pleased to see him back. And that is all we've got time for today. Everton slumped to a 2-0 defeat at home to Leicester City and Everton are back in action in the Cup away at Bournemouth on Tuesday evening, where you can listen to all the pre- and post-match talk from that game 
down in Bournemouth here at A View from the Bullins. In the meantime, keep an eye on all our social media channels as well. We'll have a visual video out this coming week. Have a great week. Stay safe. Take care. And we'll see you soon. All the best. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.